Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 71 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in your word. Help us receive the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what's happening in John chapter 3. There's a lot happening in John chapter 3. Jesus is approached by a Pharisee named Nicodemus who came to him at night. He probably didn't want his fellow Pharisees to know he was talking with Jesus. But it appears he appreciates Jesus because he calls him rabbi. And he's very complimentary. Instead of Jesus thanking Nicodemus for his compliments, Jesus sees a need. He knew Nicodemus desired to experience the kingdom of God. He also knew Nicodemus couldn't have this experience unless he was born again of the Spirit. So Jesus tells him about being born again. He even tells him that he must die so that those who believe in him may have eternal life. He all but gave Nicodemus the keys to heaven. I believe Jesus told him this so when it did happen, Nicodemus would remember what he said and he would be saved. He hadn't spoken as clearly to the disciples as he did here with Nicodemus yet. Then we read John 3.16, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, unique Son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Then Jesus said God didn't send him to condemn the world, but to save it. The Amplified Bible further goes on to say, Be made safe and sound through him. I love this saying, safe and sound. It's what my parents used to say to us girls when they put us to sleep at night. The Lord shows his love for all people by sending his son to this world to save us and make us safe and sound. Verse 18 says, he who believes in him, who clings to, trusts and relies on him is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him, there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe, who rely on, trust in him is judged already. He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. Well, these promises are ones we stand on as believers, and we begin to see why this book of John is given to both new believers to strengthen their new faith and to non-believers because it has the power to convert the non-believer into a believer. If ever we may totter and not be sure of our salvation, we need only to read these passages to be reassured of our eternal destiny. Then Jesus talks about practicing, walking out our faith, coming into the light and doing what is right. He says we do these right things with divine prompting and God's help. We can depend on the Lord to help us do what is right according to Jesus. Another profound message in this chapter is found in verse 27, which says, John answered, a man can receive nothing. He can claim nothing. He can take unto himself nothing except as it has been granted to him from heaven. A man must be content to receive the gift which is given to him from heaven. There is no other source. Well, a controversy had arisen between some of John the Baptist's followers and a Jewish person. More and more people were flocking to Jesus than John. John had done his job here, almost completed his mission, his mission of preparing the people and their hearts for Jesus. He was the opener, the show before the real show. 
He talked about repentance to the people. He talked about getting right with God, and he baptized them. He had done exceedingly well, and now his time was coming to an end. His notoriety would diminish to let Jesus come in and fulfill his mission. As I read our verse today, I felt a nudging and prompting by the Lord. While John was right in saying a man can receive nothing except as it has been given to him from heaven, I wondered if we all fully receive the gift God has given us, the mission we are to complete here on earth. Sometimes we look to others and wish we could be more like them. We may even try to be more like them for a time, but God's anointing isn't on us to be more like someone else. His anointing is on us to use the gifts he's given us, to develop those gifts so we can be used to the highest and best of our abilities. The challenge is to become who we are meant to be, receive and embrace the gifts God has given us, not miss those gifts, not miss the mission God has given us. John knew his place in the kingdom. Again, he had done splendidly and fulfilled his mission. He was gracious in giving his ministry up for the one, the one who was meant to minister to the world. May we be gracious with those around us and allow them to operate in their full gifting, a side of our own. Let's see what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul poured his heart into the church at Corinth. He starts out saying he wanted to present them to Christ as a chaste virgin, but they were being spoiled by others who preached to them. He wondered if he should have asked for their financial support because usually when people pay for things, they take them more seriously. He feels he has cheapened himself and his teaching by not requiring their finances. Of particular interest to me are verses 13 and 14, which say, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And it is no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And then he goes on to let them know that he too is a Hebrew, an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. He admits to them boasting of his trials and tribulations, which occurred because he was an apostle of Christ. He is still a zealot, a zealot for Christ. And instead of being a zealot to keep the law, he was now a zealot for Christ. Again, Paul is all about living freely in Christ. Well, we are back to the Israelites in chapter 25. Unfortunately, they started to mix with the Moabites and attended their sacrifices made to the Moabite gods, the God of Baal, the Baal of Eor. God told Moses to hang the leaders so his wrath would turn away from them. So Moses told the judges of Israel to kill the men who were Baal of Eor. The people went to the door of the tent of meeting and wept over this punishment. And then there was Phinehas, the grandson of Aaron, who slayed an Israelite man and a Midianite woman who was a daughter of a prince. He did this inside the church. God saw this. Of course, God saw this because God sees everything. He saw Phinehas was jealous for God and God gave him and his descendants a covenant of peace. Imagine that. Well, there were 24,000 people killed in all because of their disobedience and honoring the Baal of Eor. Then God told Moses to start being hostile to the Midianites because of what they had caused the Israelite nation. Let's see what's happening to the Israelites in Numbers chapter 26. The Lord told Moses and Eleazar, remember he was the son of Aaron who took Aaron's place when Aaron died on the mountain, to take a census of all the men who were 20 years and older who could go to war. And there were over 600,000 Israelite men. Even though this number was similar to the number when Moses and Aaron counted the Israelites at Jericho, there were only two survivors from that whole nation, Caleb and Joshua. God had said none of the originals except Caleb and Joshua would be granted entrance into the land that he promised them, and so it had now come to pass. When they were all numbered, the Lord told Moses to divide the land between them according to the name of their tribe. 
Of course, the Levitical tribe was not given land as an inheritance for their portion because God was their portion, God alone. The name of every tribe was so important back then and would be important in future generations as well. Well, now let's go to Psalm 71. King David is older here. Again, when Solomon was taking the throne and David's son Adonijah was trying to overthrow Solomon's reign. Most of this psalm is written in praise to the Lord, even though David is discouraged and saddened by the events taking place. Verse 8 says, My mouth shall be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. If we could only do this most of the time, praise God most of the time. Even when David is troubled, he praises God. Verse 14 says, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Yes, David's hope was always in the Lord. May our hope be in the Lord as well. He is the only one who can save us. And he sent his son to do just that. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for showing us more of you and who you are as we read your word Help us lean into you, praise you, and hope in you just as King David did. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.